I'm Audra. And I'm Sadie. And we are former English Lit majors and sisters who miss reading and discussing literature with fellow Lit nerds. And we created this podcast to discuss literature fueled by libations. So pick your poison and join us each week to discuss all the queries and views unearthed in great books. And support your local bookstore. All right, welcome everybody to Lit and Libations. Um, I'm really excited to kind of finish up talking yes. about Sula. There's still, I think, a lot left to discuss. So looking forward to that. Um, but before we get going, why don't you announce what our next book will be again so everyone can go pick up a copy. Yes. So our next book is Small Pleasures by Claire Chambers. So again, this book is just kind of about a journalist um, in the 1950s coming on to the 60s pretty closely who hears, basically gets a response from a reader that um, she kind of had an immaculate birth, basically, that her daughter was born without the help of a male. And uh, so she goes to dig into this kind of story and see see what's there. And um, the story unfolds from there. I'm really excited. I, I'm really enjoying it so far. Um, I am too. I think it's going to be fantastic. I am so curious about, like we were talking about this before we recorded, but we're just so curious to see how it ends because it's apparently a controversial ending. So um I'm just, I'm excited to see how that, like, I'm, I'm trying to guess what possibly could happen, and I just haven't been able to yet. Yeah, I really like it. I'm really enjoying it so far. It's definitely, yeah. like, keeping me, I'm staying up way later than I should to, like, keep reading it, which is always a good sign. Yes. What um, are you drinking? Because your drink looks delicious. It looks thank so you. Good. So, I went we had some good friends in town last week. They were visiting from Florida and we went to dinner. We went to Pago on Main, mm-hmm. uh, on Main Street downtown. And they have this beet and gin cocktail and it's so good. Beet and, so I, and gin? Yeah. Oh, wow. Uh-huh. Yeah. And I, I mean, I love beets. So I made, so I kind of just came up with my own, um, like I looked on Pinterest and then like kind of combined a couple, but it's basically beet juice. Uh, gin, grapefruit juice, some simple syrup, Ooh. and then a rosemary sprig. And then I just did it over crushed ice. Oh, wow. Um, it's it's really good, which I don't – I usually kind of like sweeter drinks, like cocktails. I like them a little bit more on the sweeter side or like just a really classic old-fashioned, like I'm kind of one or the other. But this is like different for me because I don't usually like things that aren't as sweet. So and this is, is it not. is it like tart or is it like almost yeah. savory? What's what's the it's vibe? Be- it's beety. It's more tart because it's got grapefruit, and then beet. To me, beet is kind of a tart. Yeah, I don't know. To be honest, I've always refused to eat beets. Oh, beets are one of my favorites. Like beet salad, like just having beets and like goat cheese and like yeah. I don't know some like I don't know spinach or like I, I just love a beet salad. I should try it. I think they're beautiful. I love their color. Maybe I'll like it in a cocktail. Maybe I just need to make the cocktail and that will turn me towards beet juice and beets in general. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe start Maybe start there. Um, are beets vegetables? Is that a stupid question? Are they veggies? It's a question. No question stupid. I don't I would assume so. Okay. Let me look it up. 
just if they're tart, that just surprises me. Like it's like yeah, it's I've, a vegetable. Well, I don't know. I consider them tart. Okay, not when they're cooked. I think more like the juice is kind of tart, or when they're cold, like mm-hmm. kind of like rhubarb when in they're a way. warm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. That's just how it is to me, but. I don't know. I need to eat more beets because I couldn't tell you what they taste like. I have no idea. I've always refused. I huh. swear yeah, sometimes you'll have to give I, it a sh- you have to give it a shot. I swear I'm not a picky eater, but then little things like this come up and I'm like, oh, wait, maybe I am. <laughs> well, taste change. I mean, like, and taste change, too. Like, I used to not like cauliflower and I have finally come around to that. Yeah. But. Cauliflower's good. Um, I am drinking, I think it's very pretty. It is um, pretty. What, what, is that watermelon? Yes. And rosemary sprig. So. Oh, that sounds delicious. You know, I love watermelon. Yeah. So Brian made me like a, basically just like a gin and tonic. It's like gin, lemon, lime, and then like club soda. And then he put in watermelon chunks and a little bit of rosemary. And it's delicious and it's so pretty because he used empress gin. So it's all pink and purpley. And it's beautiful. That is really pretty. Really nice. Okay. Well, um, maybe we'll have to put up what our cocktails are. We always say that and we don't do it, but we're going to do it. I know. Well, I, I took a picture tonight when it was actually full. See, this is my problem. Nice. This is this is the problem that I've encountered with myself is I make my drink so close to when we're going to record that I forget to okay. take a picture. Oh, because you, you just already start on it. Because I just already start on it. I make it and then I'm like, all right, well, like I'm going to go record. We got like two minutes. And then um, and then by then it's too late. I've already ruined it. But uh, well, yeah, I, but this time, this time I thought ahead. So that's good. Well, good. Yeah, you might just have to continue to, you know, just exercise that sort of restraint. <laughs> I think you're right. I think you're it's right. It's hard. It is hard. I know, it's hard. Especially when Brian makes me <laughs> such delicious looking drinks. Yeah, it is very pretty. And I do love watermelon, so I get it. I have to, like, walk all the way out to, you know, the garage. So I, <laughs> it's easier for me. <laughs> um. All right, so, and next, our next episode after this one, there might be just a little bit of delay because I'm leaving on Monday to go to Arizona for the horse show. Yeah. So we will be just a little bit delayed on that, but we'll get it up as soon as possible because I'm already almost through this book. It's really good. Yeah. Um, And really different from Sula. Like a really nice, nice change of pace, but really good. Um, So, I mean, we talked a lot last episode what do you feel like what were some items that we didn't get to that you wanted to talk about hmm. um you know I think we didn't really talk about it a ton but I think like just the way the different experiences that we see in this book and how so much of the types of experiences that we see are related to gender, I think is such a, an interesting thing. Like it's, I mean, I do think that this book is like primarily like a female experience, like a, a, especially like a black female experience and like what that might be like. 
for some people, but like, I also think too, I think like the, the time period is such a, what a, what a time period. I mean, this book spans quite a bit of time, but this is, you know, right, right after, um, world war one. And I just think like the descriptions of just kind of like what the women had to go through and then also, you know, the little snippets of experience that these male characters have to go through is really interesting. But also how their experiences in so many ways, but like especially the women, the life experiences that they have are in so many ways connected to like their relationships with the opposite gender and, yeah. you know, like, I feel like the male experiences in this book are so heavily related to, like, war and trauma and PTSD and, like, coping mechanisms in a lot of ways. Yeah. And then for the women, it's, it's like, so much of their um, life experience has to do with um, kind of just dealing with sometimes the aftermath of, like, decisions that men have made in their life but also yeah, just in the general from it. In, in, yeah. And then also just in general, like their relationships with men. And what I thought was really interesting about that is like, usually that would kind of bug me. It would usually kind of bug me that like, that oh, like some women's stories are still kind of like, centered around the men in their life but this one it didn't feel that way like like this one it still felt like the central relationship obviously is Sula and Nell which is why I think it like worked it kind of I thought it was interesting watching like the dynamics of how these kind of like outside peripheral characters impacted their uh, experiences but also their experiences with this with each other and I, mm-hmm. I just found that to be, like, a really interesting dynamic in this book um, of, like, comparing experiences, comparing, like, different kind of traumas that different kinds of people um, go through and and um, how that can be related to, like, their gender, but also um, race as well because we do have, like, some really interesting white characters in this community Um that have a, I don't know how else to say, but like just very interesting experience. Like I think about um, who they call Tar Baby as kind of a joke. He, like obviously Tar Baby is like an an awful like description that has been used historically, but he's like a white guy who's just like drunk and lives at the... Trying to kill himself by drinking himself to death, basically. Yeah, yeah. And he lives at the boarding house and he lives in this like primarily black community and um, goes through just kind of like a lot of shit. And it's just kind of interesting too to think about like his experience in the community compared to the people around him. I think like the comparisons of all these different people... um, who are all in the same town is just compelling and interesting. Yeah, no, I agree. I feel like all of these characters in the, in the novel, whether it's Sula or Nell or, you know, Shadrach, Tarbaby, like they all have such distinct characters. Like they're yeah. just such individual people, um, which 
everyone is, but I think a lot of times people aren't portrayed that way, you know, and I think Mm -hmm. it's just a really, um, just a lot of appreciation given to all of the individual characters and their growth. And, you know, I love how it starts with Shadrach and ends with Shadrach. Like there's just a very, um, complete sense to all of her characters. That's really, I think not as common, you know? I agree. And like with Shadrach as an example or something, like he's not just like some, he's not just some kind of like local kook, like local Mm -hmm. town weirdo, you know, that people just like learn to live with. He's, um, we get his, his, a little bit of his backstory, even just a little bit of it. Um, as far as like why he's that way and like, you know, with the, the whole thing with like national suicide day, um, where that comes from and what that stems from and having just that little bit of background, but then also seeing like how a community kind of builds itself around this person's experience too, is just really fascinating. This, like the, the whole community in general and what holds this community together in a way um, and how yeah. that changes over time is just it's just interesting and it's fun to read about, even if it's, you know, some serious topics. Yeah. I mean, she, I think, I think she does a really amazing job of kind of showing all of the influences on a person's like development and as who they are, yeah. you know, like I think she does a really good job of showing all the different influences that people are subjected to. Um, but making it seem like I said, again, that person's really unique. Does that make sense? Like, yeah, like obviously anyone who was in the war had some sort of trauma from that. The whole country had trauma from that, but it's interesting that she can then make it individual to that person. Like, so it's, uh, I think that's part of what makes the characters so interesting. Like I really liked, I really enjoyed, I think Shadrach's my favorite character after Sula. Um, and I yeah. think it's just awesome that all like all of them have just such a unique voice that she gives them. Right. And again, like we talked about this a lot last time, but the amount of character and um, depth that she's able to give these characters in such a short span of time, because because honestly, most of these characters like don't get a lot of um uh, I don't know, page time. Like, <laughs> yeah, you yeah, know, like they exactly. don't, they Maybe, don't get yeah. it a lot, but they, we get a lot from it, you know? Yes. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah, just, again, impressive writing, but also just, um, I think such a, such a evidence of, of like just very deep and thoughtful thinking of like who these people are. And I think I, I believe as, as this is probably the case in most books, but like, I do believe that if you ask Toni Morrison, like, I think she could tell you like this person's whole life story, even if it's not in the book. And I think that's beautiful. It felt like every character was in it because they're a full character. Like it's almost like they're real people and they're not just in the book to like serve a function even if they like do ultimately serve a function, it doesn't feel like they're just there for like a certain moment or something like that. And I thought, I I think that's really nice and impressive. Yeah, I agree. Um, little like off topic 
my the other thing that I really liked in the novel that I mm-hmm. didn't get the chance to talk about last time is I really like how once uh, I think part two it starts with Sula returning right she's left after Nell's gotten married mm-hmm. and like her return and I love how in this second you know after part two Sula's portrayal kind of how people in the town see her and how she kind of presents herself it, it's almost like she's this kind of evil figure you know like yeah. she's witchy she's demonic like it's interesting like even just how she writes about how she, when she comes back um she starts part two with accompanied by a plague of robins sula came back to medallion <laughs> the little yam-breasted shuddering birds were everywhere exciting very small children away from their usual welcome into a vicious stoning Nobody knew why or from where they had come. What they did know was that you couldn't go anywhere without stepping in their pearly shit, and it was hard to hang up clothes, pull weeds, or just sit on the front porch when robins were flying and dying all around you. And I just think that's such an interesting, like, description of what Sula brings back with her. And, like, there's great scenes where it shows, like, different people in the neighborhood, I think, kind of blamed Sula for everything, right? So, like... Mm-hmm. If a little kid got hurt, it was like she hurt him on like things like that. And so I just thought it was really interesting that this very, you know, f- this black woman who doesn't necessarily fit with a lot of conventions and she's very much like her own person and, you know, has isn't just doing what's expected of her. And it kind of contrasts a lot with Nell and how that's almost seen as kind of evil or demonic or witchy right. and. I thought it just, I think that part of it really struck me. And that was, that was really something I enjoyed about this novel in particular and made me really like the character Sula. Yeah. There's a lot of, um, I think like superstition in a way, but I think even like more than that, I think that there's a lot of, um, interesting like power dynamics in this book. And I think that one of those things is related to that power dynamic is like what we decide to give power to and yeah seeing the community kind of give her this like power but also blame you know um because of the fact that she's different than them but i mm-hmm. but she's also like not that different from them like in a in a way it's just interesting yeah. what they like assign uh, power or blame to as a community, as a whole. And, but I, but I also think it's kind of like in a way representative too of, of like Sula just kind of seems like the type of person that just commands a room or situation. I don't know. Like, I feel like she just seems like something that everything gravitates towards in a way. And I think that there are people like that. And so, um, that's kind of also a vibe that I got from her, but um, it is interesting to see like how the t- how the town kind of like gives her power or gives other people power um, in the book for like kind of like arbitrary reasons. Like they just kind of like make it up almost. It's just kind of interesting. No, it is. I mean, I think one of the big power struggles in the second half half of the book is between Sula and Eva. Yeah. You know, and I think it's yeah. interesting that like I love like right right in that same first chapter in part two, like the back and forth she has with Eva, like it's interesting, the two of them, it's like they're it's just this battle basically. Yeah. And Sula ends up winning. I mean, how and Eva gets but, I mean, 
But I, I mean, I, I think say it's... that because, like, I, I look at it as like one long battle between the two of them, and so it's like Sula won this battle, Eva's out of the house. You know what I mean? She may not right. win the next one. Like it's like this ongoing, yeah. like war between them, and For that sure. first one. So it's like she comes back in town. That's how I looked at it because then, as the book goes on, like one can question maybe Eva's winning now at this point. Well, like, I mean, um, like, is, like, it depends on what you define as winning, right? Like, is it survive, surviving? Is that winning? Because yeah. if so, like, Eva wins. She's there at the end. Um, same with Nell. And I think it's more about, like, who's in control. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. But, the, like, the thing with Eva, though, that's so interesting is, like, talk about, like, a powerful woman. Like, she is so razor sharp in so many ways. She's so capable of kind of like tearing people down. And I don't yeah. mean that necessarily in a bad way. Um, I think she can be harsh, but like the conversation that she has with Nell at the end ish of the book. Yeah. I think is such a, a such like a good example of how this woman who is you know deemed powerless in a lot of ways she's in a home she doesn't have maybe a ton of mobility she's getting quite old um yeah she's able to just kind of like dig where she knows it'll not necessarily hurt but like where she needs to dig and like she she sees the vulnerabilities. Yeah, but she also has excellent points. Like, Nell needed, I think, that talk to realize that, um, to kind of come to grips with, like, maybe the realities of, like, how she was feeling about herself and, and her own yeah. kind of, like, moral compass or, or, like, her own kind of life story in relation to Sula's. Um, after they've had this big falling out, I think like being humbled a little bit by Eva was like, is necessary for her to have had those realizations. Um, but then, you know, at the same time, like we, like Eva still is kind of (laughs) just, she's just tough to deal with. Like I can totally understand what Sula goes through. Yeah. Well, and she's she's so good about, like you said, cutting right to the point, like with Nell when they're talking and and Nell says, you think I'm guilty or something like that. And she she says, well, who wouldn't like you would know or who would know better than you? Mm -hmm. And that's like I think that's the Nell right there. Like that gets her right there. Mm -hmm. And I think it's interesting because it just there's so much talk about culpable culpability in the in the novel and who's at fault and what makes a person at fault and, you know, whether it's action or inaction. And I think that's a really interesting piece throughout the novel is just how much happens due to someone's inaction. Mm -hmm. And also like just even for me, like a question of like, when do we hold people responsible? I can hear you. Sorry. I was having technical difficulties for a second. Uh, It's okay. Um, Okay. I think we're good. But also, like, like when when do we hold people accountable? Like, the whole thing with them and Chicken Little was, it's, it's so sad. It's so tragic. And 
it's difficult to understand in some ways, but at the same time, it's like, well, these are kids too. And this is like, they don't know what to do. But like, at what time does someone know what to do? Do you know what I mean? Like, it's just the, the, like maturity, I think is a big question in this. And like, when should people know better? And I think that this book kind of shows that like, maybe nobody like ever knows better. I don't know because people could just yeah. kind of continue to do these kind of like inexplicable things, which um, like we discussed a lot last time um, is done and portrayed in such a masterful way that we can't help but like empathize with them and understand why they did these things and like feel for them. Yeah. But it still is like we talked about, stuff that maybe if you look at like from the outside we would deem as like objectively bad um so i i I guess yeah like the the idea of like maturity and like when people should be accountable well and i think it raises the question question of like well and it's like accountable to what morality you know like what, what are you holding people accountable to and why? Right. Like, you know, as far as behavior goes, like, I think it's a, what are you, is it off of like a Christian belief system? Is it mm. like, like what's the morality system by which they're being judged or you're, you know, you know what I mean? Like, I think she kind of raises that up too of like what standard or why are you holding a standard to this sort well, of behavior. Yeah, because, I mean, because we, we do see people from the same town, again, like, have completely different uh, expectations about certain things that are generally considered important in life, like sex or something, you know? Like, um, we see that within that community itself. It, it does, like, re- kind of bring up questions that I think were brought up in um, Euphoria when we read it as far as, like, moral relativism and, like... Yeah. How much I are agree. how much are we supposed to judge? But like but then like there's got to be some limit. Like there's got to be some point where we say like no. But this book makes it impossible to answer that question. And like it's impossible to draw a line yeah. in this book. And it's something I love yeah, about it. I agree. But it's challenging. It is challenging. It's challenging for me sometimes to talk about it in a way that I want to talk about it. It's hard to like articulate what Mm. she's doing, but it's just really affecting. Mm. Um, And I just love, and it's, and I just love the dialogue in it. Like I really love the dialogue with her characters. I think it's really, I, I don't know. I think a lot of it's really quick witted and, um, evokes a lot of emotion you know like Mm -hmm. even the conversations between hannah and sula or eva and sula like i think that you can still see these like deep connections this like deep kind of like not always healthy love but love but then Mm -hmm. um even when that's not necessarily what's being portrayed like i just love the dialogue i think that it's really good it never goes it never goes on too much it's not too like expository like you can kind of I don't know I just feel like it's really well-written dialogue I agree and I think that um it's realistic to like how these relationships might actually play out 
in real life, I don't know. Like, I feel like if you are, if you know someone your whole life, if you have all these different kinds of experiences, like, you're not necessarily talking about explicitly, like, the things that both of you know are really behind the conversation sometimes. So I think that's part of why, like, the emotion really pulls through, even in some of these simple conversations, is there's just this... um, very perceptible feeling of history and of um love like you said and kind of like I think frustration with each other too because I think that um I think Nell and Sula in their friendship in a way too and how it dissolves in some ways I think it's because they love each other so much and like they kind of are, I don't know. I mean, I mean, sometimes love can come through in different ways as far as like how we treat or what our expectations are from people that we love. Sometimes I think that our expectations can be too high than what we would yeah. give the average person. Sometimes maybe they're too low, depending on the dynamic. And I think that in this book, I think with Sula and Nell, it was kind of like, their expectations maybe for each other were too high because of like this deep love that they had for each other. They both just like thought that the other person would treat them a different way than what that person did. And um, right or wrong, as far as like what was done or said, um, those like expectations that they held each other to are um, there because of a deep love and a deep history. And I think like, like you said, comes across in the dialogue extremely well. Yeah, I agree. I I just, I, I love the dialogue, especially between Nell and Sula. Like I just find mm-hmm. their friendship and how they complement each other so interesting. Like I just think it's just such a, I can't think of a, I think it's one of my favorite representations of like a female friendship. Like I just, mm-hmm. you know, to me, Sula is just you know she doesn't have necessarily the ambition that a lot of the other characters have and she's just it has to experience things and then decide how she feels about them and it's just all about freedom and choice and and then Nell you know I think with how she grew up you know like she that uh instance that they had on the train where the conductor um like just how his mom had to react to this like very racist conductor on the train and how she Mm -hmm. had to, you know, couldn't use a restroom. And I think she just really saw like that humiliation and just wanted to be able to like conform. And when she marries Jude, like she can and she, and everything's respectable, you know, she doesn't want to be like her mother who's, you know, this prostitute. And so I think, cause it was, or not her mother. Yeah. Her mother. It's her grandmother. Her grandma. Yeah. 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 And so I think just kind of the the contrast of those two characters and how they really needed each other and like what they were for each other and just how important their friendship was. And like, you know, we talked about it a little bit last time, but with what at the end, you know, she realizes like it's Sula that she, mm-hmm. that was the real true thing. And, you know, Sula knows that, knows that. That's why she's like, why didn't she get over it? Like, yeah, you know, and I just think that's so interesting because I'm like, yeah, shit, like. That it's just, it's a really intense, that's the real thing there that's long lasting and it's true. Like that's represented all throughout the book. And so, yeah. um, I just think their friendship is really 
really unique and special. I agree. Um, I also think like, you know, the fact that Sula comes back, I don't know. I find it really interesting because like she's questioned. It feels like a lot about like why she came back and she just kind mm-hmm. of says that like this town, this small community of like, is it, is it called, what is it, what is it called again, this town, this community? It's like the, the bottom, the bottom, the bottom. Yeah. She yeah. says it's like, I think there's this quote where she says it's the bottom everywhere you know, and yeah. so like she goes to all these different places. She goes to like New Orleans. She goes to all these different places um, that are briefly mentioned, and she still like can't find something. You know, like there's some reason yeah. that she goes to these places, but she just finds herself back home. Um, and then she stays, even though she's being like kind of mistreated by the by the whole community and it's just so well, and interesting think, that she decides yeah, well, to stay she can't well and i think part of the reason she would decide to stay is i mean it it would be so hard it's hard now but it was especially hard then to leave that community and like make it you know it's hard like yeah. just because of racism and legal like i mean you know so many things were against the law like there was no it was really hard to make it on your own basically well, to leave that racism community. and being just like an old alone woman a, a single woman. black woman yeah. a single black woman yeah it's like she it had to return yeah she had to return home like there was no choice and like i think you know the women resented her for leaving yeah um and they didn't leave but then also she has to like she can't make it and i think that that leads to obviously resentment on her end so yeah that's a really just shitty situation all the way around so again like with having empathy for both sides of that of like it's just shitty (laughs) it is it is but i think i really love the i think with how difficult some of those realizations are not realizations, but just those realities. I mean, not realizations, but those realities like, but I think there's such a nice hopefulness in the love that Nell and Sula have for one another and like what that friendship means and kind of the transcendence of it. So I think that really helps for me balance out some of the more like just sad and kind of depressing realities that she writes about in the in the novel yeah I agree and I think it's also kind of like I think I mean I think it's kind of sad that Nell has this big realization when it's almost like too late in a way although I would say that Nell has some sort of realization when she goes to Sula before Sula dies you know I I think that in and of itself is like at the end still showing up for her like even if they're not on the best of terms I think that's like a great indication of their love and um ultimately well I think their growth you know like how they make each other grow like I think the whole idea of change and growth and development is is really prevalent in the novel with Nell and Sula also you know more minor characters like Shadrach like I think there's just so much um, 
growth you see with these characters. And I think that that's part of what, you know, Sula is who helped Nell grow as a person. And when she wasn't friends with Sula, she was going stagnant and she wasn't growing and, you know, she was just kind of stuck. And so I think that that's part of what she's really sad about too, is that there, you know, now she doesn't have that person to like help her with that. Like, I think you can Mm -hmm. find that in some friendships and some romantic relationships, people who really make you grow as a person like that's those are so valuable and I think I think she's sad for the fact that she's not going to have that anymore either because that came from Sula yeah and also I mean but like but now still I don't know I mean she still just has so many justifiable reasons to be angry right like Mm -hmm. I mean ultimately ultimately like she's probably better off being without someone who would just up and leave her and her children um, and leave to Detroit without, like, a word, you know, just because shit hit the fan a little bit. Like, that's clearly not necessarily a person you want to spend, like, your whole life with. That's a pretty bad sign. But, like, her life kind of does hit, like hit this breaking point this boiling point um it's extremely difficult thing as far as like all of a sudden becoming a mother alone with kids and um it would like I just think like the time that it takes her to kind of like for not even forgive but just like come back to Sula a little bit is so like I I just I get it like that would be just so incredibly painful even though they both clearly have like different views on it and what wasn't a big deal to Sula is a big deal to her and um it's just it's there's just they're both wrong but they're both right and that's the book in a nutshell (laughs) I know it's true it's true It's true. I, I really, really enjoyed it though. Like, um, I don't know. I think, I think the bluest eye is still my favorite Toni Morrison novel, but, um, rereading this one, I don't know. Like, you know, I, it makes me just kind of want to go back and reread everything else by her to kind of look at it again in a different light. Cause I think she's just one that um, gets better every time you read it. So that was, that was fun. Yeah, I feel um, I really like I feel it. like if someone asked me like my opinion on certain characters and their actions, like tomorrow I'd have a different answer. Like, <laughs> do you know what I yeah. mean? Yeah, that's true. Like, yeah. like I feel like the next time I read this, I might be like one hundred percent on Nell's side. Sula fucked up, no excuses, mm-hmm. kind of situation. And then on the other side, one day I might just be like. No, man, like, Sula made a mistake, but, like, she shouldn't have just been, like, that shouldn't have ruined the whole thing. She would have been there for now, you know, to help her with whatever she needed if if they just, like, kept on with each other. So, yeah. I don't know. I Like, I just, I go back and forth. It's, like, every single time I hear, like, the other person's side, I'm like, yeah, that's, that's correct. <laughs> It's, and it's, it's, it's just every single time I think about the other side, I'm like, okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I agree with you too. (laughs) 
Uh, well, it was great. I really enjoyed reading this one, and yeah, I'm really excited pick. for our next book because it's very different. Yeah, good, good pick. Um, this one's good, and I'm really liking uh, this next one too. Yeah. So two really good picks in a row. Um, so that episode will be out maybe just like a couple of days later, but yeah, but still sometime I should be able to next week. I will only be gone a week, so yeah. it shouldn't be bad. Yeah. Yeah, just gives more time to go pick up a copy. Um, so, Sadie, if you would uh, tell everyone again what the next book will be. Yes. Please. So our next read is Small Pleasures by Claire Chambers. And don't worry, this book is not 500 pages long. Uh, it no. is a regularly <laughs> sized novel. And so far, it's been really great and interesting. So yeah, really we good. can actually already recommend this one. <laughs> yes, yes. We're we're we're. We're going up again. Yes. <laughs> Getting higher on our. Uh... <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, I mean, nothing will beat the maidens. But anyway, I, there's no way that that's got to be the worst book of all time. Oh, it's the worst book of all time. Absolutely. Obviously, I'm still talking about it. Um, yeah. Which, by the way, I just love. I've been watching, you know, the confirmation hearings for Judge Jackson. And I just. <laughs> I'm dying at Ted Cruz oh my and talking gosh. about the anti-racist baby. I mean, I and just... Are babies racist? <laughs> the level of ridiculousness, like, this is this is just such a scene to me. Like, this whole thing is just such a circus. It is just absolutely asinine. Um, the so thing anyway... That, no, I, just, I, I agree. The thing that, like, drives me crazy, too, about watching that um, is... The fact that they're asking her so many questions that are completely unrelated to being a judge. like It's insane. Yeah, they're just using their time to grandstand and talk. Like, it's just it's just so ridiculous. It's yeah. just insane. Uh, so anyway, it's nice to be able to escape. I to agree. Literature. I, I've definitely <laughs> needed it myself. Yeah, this, yeah, these novels have been really good escapes. So um, anyway, uh loved this we'll have to do Tony I think I would love to do Tony Morrison again too. a little ways down the road although there's so many books there's just so many books there's so many the good thing and with like, like no time the good thing with like some of these ones that we've picked up um that are not super new releases is like they've already kind of had a time to establish themselves <laughs> As good reads. Like, you know when you're picking up a Toni yes, Morrison, you true. know it's going to be that's excellent. <laughs> you already know. Yeah, right. You're, you're, yeah, you can be pretty confident it's good. That's true. <laughs> Are you reading anything else besides what we're doing? Um, nothing of note. I've been... You've been super busy. I've been so busy. I've been, like, just trying to do mindless things to be honest my brain is so tired when I'm done yeah at work sometimes I bet like specifically just like when we're at trial it's just you just have to be 100% on 100% of the mm-hmm. time um yeah so I got a like miniature set <laughs> A what? Oh, I've seen you. Okay, that that's what you're doing. So you're like building. I'm building like a like, miniature, um, and it's like it's supposed to look really realistic by the end. Um, I'm so excited to see it. That stuff's so good. Like I do Legos. Like I'll do the kids' yeah. Legos. Yeah, like they're really intense. It's a nice, yeah. It, which is basically what this is. It's like pretty advanced. It's pretty mm-hmm. difficult to do, but it's like, yeah. This is like Lego Legos on crack. Yes, like exactly. Steroids. And I'm like. I don't know what I'll do with it when I'm done, 
but like I'm gonna enjoy just like putting stuff together and like not having to think about necessarily anything important and then I've been watching like a lot of good tv too lately I've been watching um well like good tv I don't know it's been kind of driving me crazy at the same time I watched inventing Anna which like oh yeah I watched that it was good but I had to there were some times that I was like so mad that I had to like stop watching it I was really excited to watch it because I have like I really enjoy New York magazine yeah like I read I've been reading their blog for like years like I read it every day and so I remember when this came out and like was being reported and stuff yeah so I was like oh I remember that so I really and I really like Anna Klumsky and I like I can't remember what is her name that plays um Anna she's on she's on Ozark and I love her on Ozark I can't remember her name but I yeah she's great I no, I like that yeah And, and then I've been watching hilariously in a very similar vein um I've been watching episodes of the dropout as they've been coming out, it's about yes, Elizabeth Holmes. Yes, I've been watching that too. And have you watched the We We Not We Failed? It's the one about WeWork. It's on Apple TV. No, and it's with Anne Hathaway and Jared Leto as um, Adam Newman and Rebecca Newman. That one's really good. Girl, maybe you need to share me on your Apple TV ID too, because didn't I already share you on my? peacock and you haven't have you watched star trek yet no you haven't have you i'm not sharing i am not sharing any more passwords with you until you watch what you're supposed to watch like you are missing out okay okay fair enough you are missing out discovery is great and picard this season is so good it's like star trek's greatest hits did i tell you did i tell you i'm not giving any more passwords until you do what you're supposed to well okay well maybe you'll forgive me if i tell you no i don't want to hear the wine and i watched star trek this weekend Okay, what did what did you watch? We watched Star Trek: The Voyage Home, <laughs> the one about the whales. Okay. I that is one of my favorites. I love that is it. one of my favorite Star Trek movies. Um, besides the Wrath of Khan, though, like the yeah, definitely one of my favorites. Um, it's a good one. Totally underrated. That's so did great. that give I'm me any bonus glad. points? Am I back up in your favor? It it does. I just like you really got it. Like it's okay. so good. No, you're right. And I do need like a new TV show. So I will watch Star Trek, I promise. Once you watch it, then I will give you my password for Apple. Okay. The reason I want the Apple one, like the real, like the deep reason, is because did you know that Apple TV is coming out with a series on like Pachinko? Yes, I saw that. I was going to post something about that. And I'm loving, by the way, guys, we were, I'm sorry, we were a little ahead of the game with the whole, um, uh, the book that read that's the movie. Power of the Dog. my mind. Power of the Dog. Yeah. Yeah, we were ahead of of the curve with that one a little bit. We're trendsetters, people. Yeah. So good. So good. I just think it's interesting, like, like, all the the, buzz about the movie. All the, um... The weird stuff that, like, was said about that movie by, like, Sam Elliott. Oh, like how Sam Elliott said that, like, it wasn't a real Western or something? He's like, it's not a real or- Western. They're trying to fit in all this, like, homoerotic stuff. And it's like, sir, have you ever, like, watched a Western? They're all <laughs> homoerotic. 
this one just actually had a gay character. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I just thought that was funny. He's like, oh, there's lots of brouhaha. We did this book. I just, or, I mean, this. Well, we did the book and the movie. Yeah, I really liked the um, the uh, the director's response though to him, where she's like, oh, well, I didn't see that. Well, she just basically said, well, to be frank. Uh, Sam Elliott's an actor, not a cowboy, so I don't know how he's able to offer any actual opinion on the matter. <laughs> and then also said that the West is, uh, like, the West is, like, a large thing and that there's room for everything mm. and this story absolutely does exist in the realities of, like, the West. Yeah. Like, this is a thing. The story didn't come no, out of thin air. I just thought it was. Well, we're definitely trendsetters. Oh, for sure. So really if you that. have yet to listen to that episode, you should go back, listen to our Power of the yes. Dog episode, and then go watch the movie. And then you'll be all prepped for like Oscar season. And you'll just know what everybody's talking about. And you'll know what everything means. When you watch the movie, because we so thoughtfully and carefully discussed the whole thing, and you can listen to it with with your own ears, it's pretty fantastic. Yeah, that was that was really good. We should do a post about that. Yeah, for sure. Also, try and post it. I just read another book that was good. It's called Black Cake by Charmaine Wilkerson. Mm-hmm. Um, it was really interesting. So it's about what. Well, I don't want to go on forever about it. It would be hard to like give a succinct summary, but um, it's basically like these two grown up, uh, these two grown siblings and they've kind of become estranged. And then after the death of their mother, they kind of discover this like family secret. Um, and it's like kind of just all about that. And it, uh, her mother like grew up in the Caribbean and then it's there's in London and then Southern California. And um, it kind of talks about this like black cake that their mother made and like she wants them to make it as they're like kind of listening to all of this family history, but it's really good. I liked it. Um, I thought it was like a really, I stayed up reading that one too. So I definitely recommend, but that's another thing I've read since our last one, but I'm really liking small pleasures. So yeah, go pick up a copy of that. If you haven't, For sure. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed Sula. If you didn't read it, please go back and read it. Um, Tony Morrison's amazing. So um, we will, is there anything else that I'm missing? No, I think we've covered everything and more. So, okay. Well, thanks everybody. Appreciate your support. Thanks for listening. Mm -hmm. 